Good morning, Platt Park. Good morning. I am excited to be here. I'm excited to join you. My name is Stephen. A couple, a couple months ago, I was asked, would you consider preaching on Sunday? And I said, absolutely, sign me up. Like, yes, please. And then I found out that we were talking about joy, and I thought, there might be better candidates out there. So you don't, like, I have this on-again, off-again relationship with joy, where uh, I'm not always the most joyful person. You can talk to my wife. She'll be like, is Stephen always joyful? Probably not. Like, I, get, I have these punctuated moments in my day where I'm like, oh, yeah, that's what joy feels like. Now I remember. And then there's a long season of the rest of my day where I think, oh, I don't know if I know anything about joy. I don't know if I know what the, I don't know if I have a clue what we're talking about when we're talking about joy. And today, as we continue in this series of joy, I'm wondering if some of us are experiencing the same thing. The last couple of weeks, as we've begun to, t- to teach about joy, I've just looked around the room, right? And we're talking about joy. We're talking about joy. And I'm looking around the room, and our tear ducts are pretty full. Like, there are a lot of tears that have happened in this room in the last couple of weeks. And we're talking about joy. And so I'm wondering what else is going on as we talk about joy, and if you're anything like me, what it might be is that as we talk about this thing called joy, we wonder ourselves if we have sensed or experienced that at all. See, I kind of grew up, and I don't know where I learned this, but somewhere along the way I adopted this, this untruth that was that joy exists somewhere else out there. It doesn't exist right here. It was almost this like thing that you would pursue and never find. That's how I like treated joy for a long time. And some of that's about my personality. Like I I have like a comfort, I'm pretty comfortable in the melancholy. Like anybody here? Like you love sad movies, you love sad songs, you love sad stories. Like that's I kind of find comfort in that. Maybe even joy. It's a little backwards. Like La La Land. Like I love that that thing ends. Spoiler alert, not well. And then the rest of us are like wait a sec, is this a good story or a bad story? And I'm like, it's real. That's how it feels in life, and so I'm in. See, I have this, like, on-again, off-again relationship with joy. But the joy we hear about or read about in Scripture, when Paul is talking in 1 Thessalonians 5 about be joyful always, like, I'm not the poster child for who he's thinking about. When, like, be joyful always, like Stephen. That's just not who I am, and that's true. In fact, I kind of better relate with Isaiah 24, where, where we read, like, the joy harp in life. The joy harp in life has gone silent. Right? I find, like, some encouragement in that space. Because I think, oh, I can resonate with that. And I wonder if in this room that's what is getting stirred up in some of us. Is it feels or we sense, like, that joy harp in life has gone quiet in one capacity of life or another. A joy harp is quiet in my marriage. It's not what it used to be. It feels quiet today, this season of life. The joy harp in life, in my work life, has gone silent. My career, my vocation, it used to look differently, and it's not working or something anymore. I don't feel joy in my work life. Maybe it's in relationships. I don't, I don't feel like the joy harp. I don't hear the joy harp in my relationship with my kids. I don't hear the joy harp in relationship with others. It feels silent. And so today what we're going to do is we're going to stop for a moment. And today is we're going to talk a little bit about those of us who feel like the joy harp in life has gone silent in one area or another. In one area of life or another. 
See, we can, there's a lot that the world will communicate to us about joy and some things that just aren't really true. See, in a Platt Park, we, we recognize them, we, we observe them, we experience them, and we say, is this true or not? And so, and one of those things when we talk about joy is that joy is not possible because everything works out and goes according to plan. Joy is not possible because our marriages are amazing, like a 10 out of 10 every day. Joy is not possible because our kids are like candidates to the Nobel Peace Prize. Like, joy is not possible because work is always like up and to the right, like eternally. Like, we don't believe that. We don't believe that joy is possible because the circumstances of life work out. But we believe joy is possible because God is present in whatever the circumstance of life is. That's what we believe. And so the question we're faced with is, if God is present, are we? If joy is possible because God is present, am I? Or am I missing it? Have I missed it? Where am I missing it? And if so, how do I, like, tap back into it? How do I tap back into the joy stream that's going on all around us? I spent the last, I spent a few days last week in the NICU with my best friend. And you've been in that space, right? Because it's not the most joyful space. But as we paused and noticed and wondered a bit about what's really going on and where might he be already be breaking through, we felt overwhelmed with joy, which is a weird space for Nick you to see, right? And so we can bump into it and we can taste it. And today what we're going to talk about is what do we do in life to just tap back into the joy stream? And so we're going to talk about three things. We're going to talk about choosing to pause in life and what the power of pause can do to initiate joy again. We're going to talk about what it looks like to choose to notice what's going on already all around us and how to tap back into joy. And then we're going to talk about the value and importance of wondering again. It's like when our imaginations get to wonder and what that can evoke in us in the connecting with the God that's already present in the moment. See, Metropolitan Anthony Bloom would say, if we can't experience God here and now, it's pointless to go and searching for him. It is not we that are absent from him. Or I'm sorry, it's not he that is absent from us, but we that are absent from him. Like he's here, he's now, he's all around us. What are we up to? That's what we're going to talk about today. Choosing to pause and notice and wonder again as three new possibilities or practices or pathways just to tap back into the joy that's already present in and around us. Sound okay? But in order to talk about pause and noticing and wondering, we got to talk about fish tacos. We're going to need to talk about the color green. And we're going to need to talk about atmospheric magnification. Okay, so when we're talking about tacos, my wife and I, Monica, we've been on this hunt for years of finding, like, the best tacos in Denver, and we found them. Okay, this is usually where people start taking notes. And it's, like, 17th and Humboldt, like, so just east of Denver at a little place called Dos Santos. You know what I'm talking about. <coughs> It's a little place called Dos Santos, single T, you can write it down now. And, when you, and Monica and I were there, and we were sitting between the bar and the patio. And we looked over outside, and we saw this younger guy, like, clearing dishes, putting them in a tub. And as he turned around and started, like, ap approaching us toward the kitchen, he was, we, what we saw is we read his shirt, and it was this black shirt. And it had this big, these big white letter, like, words on it three words, and it said, do less, slower. 
And he's like on his way to the kitchen. So when he walks by, Monica stops and says, if you have a moment, can, can you come back? So he do- jump, like drops off whatever he needs. He comes back to the table and he says, hi, like, my name's Jason. How's everything going? Can I help anybody? And so Monica asks him, like, tell me about the shirt. Like, yes, you can help. What's going on with the shirt? Like, what's the story with your shirt? The do less slower campaign. Like, where do we sign up for that? And he, and so Jason goes on to say, like, oh, my buddy, my buddy makes these shirts in his basement as, like, a protest to the man. <laughs> or, or in other words, like, a protest to the activity in life and suggesting, like, you don't need to hurry all the time. You can slow down. You can pause, essentially. You can pause. So I asked Jason, like, what's your boss think of you wearing that shirt here? Like, he lets you get away with that. And Jason kind of laughs a little bit. And he's like, oh, I own this place, you know? <laughs> and, then he, and then he goes on to say, like, I own White Pie, too, like the pizza place next door. And so there's this guy in Denver named Jason, and he's got this banner, and he's waving this banner over his staff, and he's waving this banner over his customers, and it says, do less slower. And so we start talking to Jason about, like, what's the philosophy here? Like, what's going on? And he's, he's clear about, I want people who come into my, sh- in my, into my restaurant to slow down, to live at a different pace of life. And he's making some, like, really craft tacos and amazing cocktails, and he wants people to taste the ingredients. And so he says, at this place, you can kind of pull the plug again. You can let your shoulders rest. You can breathe from your lower lung, right? We breathe from our chest all the time. Dos Santos, you breathe from your belly, right? See, what Jason is reminding us is that we are first human beings before we are human doers. We are first human beings before we are human doers. And he's celebrating the fact that it's okay. It's good, in fact, to know that hurry is happening and I'm going to protest it. Right? I'm a big guy with, like, the, when he's, like, somebody in my basement, I'm picturing this light, like, swinging back and forth, like, as people plan out, like, how oh, let's do less slower. How do we do less slower? I'm like, Dad, sign me up for that. I would do that. I love the resistance, right? <laughs> it's a good story. This is how the Fuller Seminary professor, Dr. Archibald Hart, talks about hurry. This is what he says. He says, people in a hurry never have time for recovery. Their minds have little time to meditate and pray so that problems can be put into perspective, proper perspective. In short, people in our age are showing signs of physiological disintegration because we are living at a pace that is too fast for our bodies. Amen? Does it feel that way? Because I do that. I feel that way all the time. When I'm like on the phone and I miss the left turn again. Like that's how I feel. Like I'm living it way too fast for my body. Right now, I'm just trying to catch up. I'm just trying to catch up. So we pause and recognize that in the pause, what we're celebrating is we are human beings that have a responsibility to do what, right? And the psalmist in, in chapter 46 says this, right? He reminds us to be still and know that I am God, right? Be still and know that I am God. That's our role. That's our responsibility, which is a good space to live. Be still. The NASB says, cease striving. Right? I'm sure Eugene Peterson puts it really eloquently, but when my mind, he's he's probably talks, just stop doing stuff. Stop touching things. Stop, stop, stop. Like, just stop. Be still and know that God is God and you are not, and that is a good thing. That's a good thing, right? Because then we 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 can approach these things in life that feel like 
they are unmanageable or they are above us or they feel, you know, right, wrong, confused, and missing, and we are still with them, right? And that's our role. That's our responsibility in the pause is to offer ourselves in the moment with open hands to the possibility of what could be. That's what we do with pause. See, if joy is possible, not because all of life is good, but because God is near and God is present, we want to ask ourselves if we are and where in life we can choose to pause in order to pay attention, again, to where he is already active in and around us. See, like 10 years ago, I went on a retreat with a mentor of mine named Ray. And Ray is one of those people that, like, he might levitate or not, if you're watching. Like, he's one of those people where you, like, listen when he speaks. He's one of those guys. And we went on this personal retreat together where we spent, like, 90 minutes in silence and solitude. And then we got back together. And we talked through, like, how was that experience for you? And I must have looked, like, all kinds of wrecked or restless or something. Because Ray was like, are you okay? (laughs) Like, are you all right? How was that for you? And I thought, it was bad. I think I did it wrong. (laughs) Like, it was bad. Like, the whole time I was like, what am I to do with my hands? <laughs> like, like, I didn't know. It was a really awkward place. And I was like, am I allowed to walk? Am I allowed to talk? Am I allowed to, like, journal? Is he watching me? <laughs> like, I didn't know what I was doing. And it was really restless. I and I asked Ray, well, like, how was that for you? Did you have a different experience than me? And Ray stopped, and he <sighs> did one of those sighs. Where, like, you, you wonder, like, is he sighing for me or for him? Like, is he sighing for me or for him? And he's in this, like, grin starts to crawl across his face, and he steps forward, and he holds out his hands, and he says, it was lovely. I collected 13 different colors of green. Like, that's what, like, that was raised, like, that's crazy, right? Like, Ray was up to some, like, we were on the same, like, we were on the, we were on the same property, but wildly different retreats this day. You know, I was like, what do I do with my hands? And Ray is over there like, oh, look, chartreuse. (laughs) Or like harlequin and jade and emerald. And Ray is like collecting artifacts from the day. Right? And he's just noticing. That's all he's doing. He's just noticing what's already around him. And so if joy is possible because God is present, we can ask ourselves, are we present also? And what if we chose to notice differently in life? Just notice the world around us. To notice what's already bursting forth. The 19th century English poet Elizabeth Barrett Browning says this about noticing. She says, Earth is crammed with heaven, and every common bush afire with God. But only he who seeks takes off his shoes. The rest of us (laughs) just sit around and pluck blackberries. And I have plucked my fair share of blackberries. Earth is crammed with heaven, is how she puts it. Earth is crammed with heaven. And Ray would say, in every common shade of green, a fire with God. I thought there were two shades, like the ones the light touched and the ones in the shade. Like, that's what I thought. See, what Ray was reminding me of that day is that God is already here. He's already around us. He's already breaking forth. Are we noticing him? Are we drawing our attention to what's so obviously in front of us? Do we see it? Or are we missing it? Are we going so fast that we're running over those moments where he's right in front of us? A couple years ago on my phone, I started taking pictures on my phone. And I wasn't taking pictures to, like, submit to social media and gain followers. 
this is like my family is on my social media account. And I wasn't taking pictures to like submit to like an art critic for curation. I was taking photos of something that I found personally beautiful that day. That's it. Just for me. Because what I wanted to try to do is train my mind to see what's already in front of me. So I didn't miss it. And some days are challenging, right? Some days you're just like so active that it's hard to even slow down long enough to take a photograph. And that's okay. That's okay. All we do is notice the reality that that's what's happening. Life feels really fast right now. Too fast to slow down and take a photograph. That's a good place to start. Right? And as I began to like catalog these images of photos on my phone that nobody ever saw, I like page back through them and it did something. It would do something to me. It would remind me that I was, being, I was able to find him in the midst of my everyday, in the midst of my normal and ordinary and everyday experience. And that has to be true if it's true ever, right? Can we agree on that? Like, if it's true, it's got to be true in that time, too. <laughs> Not just the best of moments. It has to be true in the normal and the ordinary and the everyday. So we pause and we redirect, our, realign, recalibrate, reorient our attention on him. We pause and do that. We notice. And by noticing, we're, we're, we are observing the creation and, and in turn worshiping the creator. And that's a good space to find ourselves. It actually makes me think of what, what I, I think the author of Genesis 9 was referring to when he said, hey, when you see the rainbow in the clouds, when you see the rainbow in the clouds, just notice it. <laughs> notice it and remember of the promise, the covenant I established between God and all living creatures. The world is surrounded with new promises. And what are they communicating to us? That's what that, that passage in Genesis is about. Are we bumping into him all around us already? Um, in the fall, I was driving downhill uh, from Summit County with Monica and we, were, we, we, we cruised through Summit County, and we cruised through Idaho Springs, and we're on I-70 heading east. You know the drive. You, like, pass that Ben Fry's quarry on, the, like, the north side of the road, and you start to, like, climb these hills up into Genesee, and then Genesee has a few rollers, and then it drops down in the front range. Are you with me? And so we're, like, chasing the sunset back into town, like, trying to catch the final light, and it's, like, it's gorgeous, guys. It's, like, sapphire blue behind us, and it's, like, slowly crawls and becomes slate blue or something. It's beautiful. And we're, like, the car is filled with conversation. And we're, like, talking over each other in excitement, and, like, we should have let the windows down to, like, curate the air so we could get more words in there. Like, it was full of words. And as we crest one of these hills in Genesee back into town, we come face to face with this glowing orb on the horizon, right? This tangerine, like, gold ball hovering above the horizon that's like the size of your windshield. That's how it felt. And all of the conversation in the car stopped, actually, and actually was replaced with, whoa, that's what happened. Whoa. Like, we were just did -did -did talking back and forth, back and forth. Whoa. And that is what wonder feels like. That's what wonder feels like when it imposes itself on our life. <laughs> That's what wonder can feel like. Whoa. Or awe. And wonder is really just the entanglement or the mingling or the intersection of surprise. I didn't know this existed. Of surprise. 
and of adoration. Whoa, this is, this is pretty important. That's what wonder does to us when we hold a new child. That's what wonder is, surprise. Oh my God, I can't believe this is real and is happening. And it speaks about something far greater that's going on in the room. That's what wonder does. It's what it can look like in, in, in our normal, ordinary, everyday life. And, and wonder, I was raised in, in, this, in this space where wonder was kind of dangerous. Wonder needed like a solution. Wonder needed fixed. Wonder needed solved so that you had like certainty on what was happening or going on in life. But then I've, rec- I've like learned to then recognize that there is this great Christian lineage of those who have come before us who recognize wonder as a pathway into worship. Like we don't have to figure this out. We don't have to figure that out. We just get to respect it. I mean, I think of like the tenets of the faith. It's like immaculate conception. Like explain that to your neighbor. Like three in one, like any way we do it, three in one makes no sense, right? Creation out of nothing. Like none of that is like, no one's like on a chalkboard. Like let me explain out of nothing to you. Like this is how something happens out of nothing. That's really challenging. But there's wonder in that space and the wonder is really good. The wonder is really good for us. It could actually return us to that posture of you are God and I am not, which is probably a healthy posture to have in life. And Paul talks about wonder this way in Philippians 4. He says, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about that stuff. (laughs) That's what Paul says. Wonder about that stuff. Get lost and caught up in that stuff. Whatever is true and noble and right and pure and lovely and admirable and excellent and praiseworthy, that sounds good, right? That sounds good. I would, like, that would be different. I mean, my 2019, like the year 2019 would look considerably different if I concentrated on those things. If I just wondered about those things. Instead of like the pain, the fear, the sin, the suffering, and the death that I'm facing in my everyday. See, I think that I think that some of the joy that we talk about, like, oh, it we talk about it in a way as if it does exist somewhere else. And I want to remind us that no, it's today and it's right now, and it's in this space beside us. And it's only in participating beside him that we can tap back into the joy that is in the normal, in the ordinary, and in the everyday experience. See, I may, and I may leave us with this, and part of me wonders, what would our life look like this year if in exchange for like the, the hurry and the pace and the quickness and the anxiety and the worry and the fear that we face in the face of those things, What if we chose instead to pause? What if in the face of those things, we just chose to notice afresh? Like what's already here that I can't see? Or what would happen if we chose to wonder again? In in, in what C.S. Lewis refers to as that a baptized imagination where it's safe, right? To wonder, to explore, to imagine. See, if, if I, like, crest the hill in Genesee, and I'm like, wow, that's amazing, and Monica's like, okay, that has to do with, like, the toxins in the atmosphere and the curvature of the earth, 
like, I'm so uninterested <laughs> all of a sudden, right? I'm like, that, I don't care about that. It almost feels like you're, you're doing an injustice or a disservice to what's in front of you. But as we, like, crest the hill and we find, like, this glowing moon in front of us that's, like, in, impeding itself on our life, we just receive it and we say, wow, this is beautiful. And as we respect the beauty that's in front of us, what we're doing is we are honoring the giver of that beauty. That's what we're up to. Right? When I, like, give my, my wife a gift... And she's like, thanks a lot, and like throws it aside, which she's, she's not like disrespecting the gift, but the giver. But when I give Monica a gift, she like holds it, and it speaks to her. She's like, thank you. In respecting the gift, she's really honoring the giver. And I think we get to do that same thing with wonder in life as, it, as we bump into it all around us. See, we don't believe at Platt Park that joy is possible because... Like, your marriage is a 10 out of 10 all the time. We don't believe that life is perfect. And we don't suggest that joy is only great in certain circumstances. We suggest, we believe that joy is possible because God is present in the normal and the ordinary and the everyday experience. And our role, our participation, is in pausing and noticing and wondering about it again. Will you pray with me? Holy Trinity, thank you, thank you, thank you. Thanks for this morning. Thanks for the opportunity to be together. <coughs> Father, we pray that uh, this morning you may create something fresh and new, something clever and exciting, but something that feels oddly familiar to each of us. Lord, we love you and we trust you and we believe you have goodness ahead just around the corner. And it is in your Holy and precious, precious name we pray, and all of God's friends said amen.